Hello, this is Robert Picardo, the holographic doctor from Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to Trekmate. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Trekmate podcast. Its continuing mission to entertain, enlighten, educate, and talk all things Trek. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack. All hands battle station. Don't worry. We will get to the bottom of this. All right. As is a tall ship and a star to steer by. I don't want excuses. I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? How do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready. Hello and welcome to Trekmate. My name is Wayne Emery. And as I have said to you in previous weeks, I'm being joined by various members from Trekmates past and there is no one more significant than my next co-host. Welcome back, Mark Stamper. Hello Wayne, it's uh, been a long time, it's uh, it's good to be back on the show again. Oh, it's, it, it's wonderful to have you back and as you say, it's been a very long time and do you know what this year marks mate? It marks Trekmates 10, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, to, uh, to, it was sort of November-ish, 2011, I think. Yeah. And then I think it was either very late 2011 or early 2012 and I first showed up for a pod, mm-hmm. I believe, and kind of showed up for a couple and then didn't leave I know <laughs> for that, a while. That's it. I, I think you may have... I'm not sure if you snuck in just before Christmas. I can't quite remember. But it was, it was sort of, yeah, late in, late in the year or early in, in 2012. Yeah, wow, 10 years, that's um, that's quite an achievement, isn't it? It is. It's, it's amazing that it's, it's been that long, and especially since like you were listening from the get-go as well. Yeah, yeah. So, and then like just the memories of going back to like the initial build-up to DST 2012 yeah. and everything, it's, it's been a long road getting from yeah, there. Yeah, getting so. from there. Yeah. <laughs> I remember how excited we got when Star Trek London was coming up. I mean, that was all we talked about for about six months, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and I see, I see uh, the the event is back on this year. Uh, I got an email last week, I think it was. So, mm-hmm. is it in November? Sometime? Yeah, I think. It, I think you're right. I think they put it back to November. But yeah, no, I did see that it was back on. I'm yeah. still trying to decide whether I'm comfortable enough at that point in time to actually go to a big event like that. I'm not quite sure yet. Mm. How would you um, feel? Well, I mean, pandemic, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I went to the one in 2012 and then the one in 2014. I haven't been to one since, mm-hmm. um, partially because they were in Birmingham and Birmingham's not difficult to get to. But I, I kind of felt, well, I'd done two and, you know, I was kind of okay with it. But I mean, pandemic-wise, I mean, I've had my first jab already. I've got my second jab beginning of June. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm hopeful that things will start to get a little closer to normal um, over the summer and then into the autumn. I mean, we'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if, if things are, 
if things seem safe enough, I might show up for a day or something. I mean, it's, it's only, I mean, I live in London now, so it's only the other side of London for me. So it's, you know, it's not too far for you either. So, no. I mean, we'll see how things go. I might walk up for a day. And also it makes me wonder as well with the, uh, with the actual stars, how many are going to be willing to do it this year mm. as well? Because, even if they are vaccinated, that does give you obviously a lot of protection. But when you're meeting thousands of people over a weekend, yeah, it's like they're the ones that would be at the most risk. And also, surely you're going to have a lot of... It'll be interesting to see what they do with London Film and Comic Con to give you an idea of DST, because what sort of precautions are they going to be? Because with photo shoots, how accurate how viable are they going to be um, yeah and also and like because autographs is one thing that's handing something over whether they get you to stand away from the desk or whatever but i'm i'm pretty sure it's going to be a very different environment this year yeah i mean i've been to comic-con f- so there'll be almost two years um because I used to go with my daughter, you know, we used to go in May and October most years. So we went in May 2019, and then the one in October 2019 was just after I got married. Mm-hmm. So we didn't go to that one, and then there hasn't been one since. And, I mean, going to Comic-Con, I mean, that's it. That was at Excel, and, I mean, there's literally tens of thousands of people, and, you know, you're like this, you know, you're brushing shoulders with people all the time. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. But, and- you know, hopefully we'll get back to some kind of normality soonish fingers crossed that's the thing i think everyone at this point everyone's just ready for normal yeah so um you know i'm quite looking forward to going to a restaurant and getting food food cooked for me because (laughs) that's all i've done for the last year and a bit is you know just stay at home you know you know my wife and i we've been able to work from home you know 100 percent of the time um so you know we've done everything we've been asked to do you know we've stayed at home we've washed our hands we've worn face masks um so yeah well i think we're just looking forward to things getting a little bit more back to normal yeah for me the, the one thing i've missed the most i've missed theme parks mm. yeah mm. I've, I've, uh, for uh, a few years uh, before the pandemic we had the annual passes to the merlin attractions, so we were just hammering the theme parks yeah. all the time and especially now, like uh, the kids uh, are at a point now where Amy can go on the big rides with me now, but she hasn't been yeah. able to. So it's like, no, I want to go on Swarm. <laughs> yeah. How old is she now? Uh, she's now 10. Wow. Okay. So yeah. this will make you feel old, Wayne. My daughter goes to university in September. That's crazy. That's yeah, she was 18 every year. So she goes to, um, she's going to Ravensbourne in East London um, doing a Bachelor of Arts in digital film production. Oh, wow. Excellent. Yeah, Very so, cool. Um, she's had a mind on cinematography for a while, but she's seriously considering editing now because she's quite good at that. Mm-hmm. So might, you know, end up in the TV or film industry as an editor. That's the that's the plan. Nice. No, that's a great plan to have, and it'll be. It's one of them jobs that if you can get into it, great fun to be had. Yeah, and you're always busy as well. There's always stuff needs editing, as we know. Just even just recording stuff like this, you've always got to edit it. So you can imagine, you know, working on movies or TV shows that that's you know tenfold. Absolutely. 
And that's crazy because it was only uh, yesterday that Mian was saying to me, it's like, how old are Mark's kids now? I was like, well, I think they're nearly proper adults. <laughs> they're getting there now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's 18 and my son, well, he'd be 15 in November, so he's like 14 and a half now. Yeah, so, yeah. that is crazy. Absolutely crazy. And it, it flies. It absolutely flies. Yeah, you're telling me. Uh, so... Uh, Mark has joined us uh, to discuss a topic that uh, has always been a favourite uh, of ours. We're going to be uh, discussing the Borg. So we thought that, uh, like, after uh, myself and Matt uh, came up with a top five Q episodes, we thought we'd discuss some of the uh, Borg episodes and try and decide what our favourite Borg episodes are. So Mark whittled the big amount of Borg episodes down to like the core uh, best ones to uh, uh, go through. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, the list I found, it included like every reference to the Borg. So the neutral zone was in there because they kind of introduced the concept of an enemy with a Borg weren't in it. Mm-hmm. And there's things like Raven and Voyager. You know, so I've condensed that down. I think it was about 18 or I think it might have been over 20, but I've put that down to, um, I've got that down to 11 episodes. And these are episodes only. So um, First Contact, the movie, uh, isn't included, which is kind of a good thing because I'd probably just put that at the top and go, no, that's the best. So yeah. we've, we've stuck to actual episodes. It would be unfair to put First Contact in there. because yeah. it, That's why I removed it. Well, yeah, let's just stick with episodes. And also um, where we've, Included two parters as one entry. Yeah, as well. yeah, because it's one story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I have to say, Mark, this is probably the most homework I've ever done for a podcast because I've I've watched all. Uh, even though, if you include like each story as like two episodes, the uh, double billers, mm. I watched all seventeen episodes in preparation. I was like, no, I'm going to be fresh. That's that's quite impressive. I mean, I've watched a few. Um, the only one I hadn't seen in a long time was the Enterprise episode. I did a full Voyager rewatch, mm-hmm. um, pretty much as the first lockdown started a year ago. So I've still got a lot of Voyager very fresh in my head. And the, and the next gen episodes I know very well anyway. But um, Regeneration, I hadn't seen in quite a few years. So I did have to rewatch that one. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to that when, when we get to it. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I suppose, which order shall we discuss them in? Shall we uh, in release date order or? Yeah, I think the the list I sent over is, I'm just checking my, yeah, that is release date order. Uh, Except Enterprise. That's that's in the middle. Oh, well, that's in the middle. Yeah, but uh, that would be at the end. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why that ended up. That's all right. All right, we can put that that at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, the very first instalment into the Borg was uh, tying into Matt and my discussion uh, the other day. Yeah. um, Was from Q Who. Yeah, season two. Um, A lot of people don't, you know, they they say TNG got really good in season three, and they are right, but I think there were a lot of good episodes in season two. Um, And Q Who is definitely up there for me as one of my favourites from season two. I mean, you've got Q in it, which is awesome, mm-hmm. and it's a really good Q episode as well as you as you and Matt discussed. Um, but the introduction of this new threat, which was originally teased in Conspiracy in season one, mm-hmm. 
and the idea was that the those sort of little insect creatures would return but it kind of didn't work out so then they needed this other um creature and they came up with the concept of these uh cybernetic zombies i guess you could call them and they were the borg and i think it's a great episode you know if i just say oh i just fancy watching a bit of trek and i'm not in the middle of a rewatch or you know it's one of those i'll just go to and go oh shove q who up because it's a good episode you know i've got a list of probably 15 or 20 episodes which i could just pick one of them go yeah i'll watch that and um, this is one of the episodes. There are several Borg episodes I go to because I am a fan of the Borg. Um, but no, a really, really solid episode, I think. Um, a f- full of tension and sort of intrigue and having Q in there as well um, just makes it an all-around great one and a, a really good introduction for a, a species that would become you know, such a huge threat. Exactly. It's very much a, a big precursor of things to come because... At this point, I, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, I don't, did they even mention, I don't think they even mentioned assimilation in this episode. No, 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 it, it doesn't, no, does it even get mentioned in Best of Birth Worlds? Yeah, I think it does. No, there's no, because they don't know anything about, they don't know anything about these creatures. Um, th- there's no nanotubules. You don't see those until first contact. So even through uh, Best of Birth Worlds, they don't have, the concept of you know the, the nanoprobes etc um and when they go on on the borg ship and they see the borg nursery mm-hmm. and they've got the little bait in the drawer that he pulls out and Riker says oh it looks like they're an artificial you know they were born as a biological life form and they start implanting um you know in technology into them as soon as they're born mm-hmm. um so i guess that that was the precursor of um of a borg maturation chamber but no very much um, in their infancy, mm-hmm. um, and there was a lot of concepts which would which would come on later, and in later episodes, particularly when you get to Voyager, the 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 makeup and the costume of the Borgs were a lot better. They, they were quite primitive due to budget mostly, but I still think in these early episodes, you know, the TNG episodes, Q Who and Best of Both Worlds, I still think the Borg look pretty badass, even with the cheaper costumes. Well, that's the thing; they uh, they do. They are. Absolutely menacing, absolutely uh, like a threat. But as you said, by the time that Voyager comes around, that's in the post-first contact world. So yeah, at that point, there is no going back for the Borg. Like first contact yeah. really set out a lot of new groundwork for the Borg that then the other series continued on with. Whether it's the look, whether it's the idea of the Queen. And other things like that. And the nanoprobes and the assimilation in, in quite the way they assimilate. Yeah, First Contact has a lot to... It's a pity we're not talking about it, but I'm sure we can talk about that movie at some other point in time. I'm sure you will. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's got a lot to answer for in the sort of development of the ball beyond beyond the TNG era. Yeah, because that's the thing. And uh, with Best of Both Worlds, I uh, they don't actually show... Uh, Picard being assimilated at all, they just see him being walked off, and then that's it. But... Yeah, you see him lying on the table, and then he lifts his arm up, and they sort of put the Borg on, on, but it's just as a sleeve. They just push it over his existing arm. It's not like they remove the arm and then mm-hmm. you know sew the technology into it, which is what the Borg would do. They don't just put this big long robotic arm over the top of your own. They'd actually remove your arm and then you know replace it with something mechanical. Um, and we don't see the horror that we see right at the beginning of the... We're talking about First Contact, but never mind. Right at the very beginning of the First Contact movie where you see the the needle or the drill yeah. go straight into his eye. You know, that's 
pretty horrific. You don't see any of that. But, I mean, partially due to budget, partially due to they weren't quite sure what they were going to do, and also to try and make it, I guess, family-friendly. You know, it was a it was a family show, you know, with, with kids watching. Um, so they had to sort of leave a little bit to the imagination, I guess. Yeah. No, definitely. And speaking of Picard getting assimilated, that uh, moves us on to the best of both worlds. Yes, an absolute classic uh, two-parter. Um, the one, the, the episode that ruined a lot of people's summers in the US. I know Patrick Stewart tells the story uh, in the summer of, I think it was 89? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably the summer of 89. So Best of Both Worlds, part one, had, had aired in the May, and then the conclusion wasn't going to be until September. And he was driving through LA, you know, it was nice and warm, and he had his open-top car, and he stops at a traffic light. And the family look over and see him, and they shout at him, you've ruined our summer! <laughs> Because they were waiting to see what was going to happen to Picard. Um, well, it's, I mean, yeah, it's ab- worse for you guys over here. You had to wait a year between. Yeah, um, I think now I'm fairly sure um, I did manage to see these back to back because it didn't. So TNG didn't start on the BBC until September 1990, which would have been when the Best of Both Worlds was airing in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a couple of years later. Um, I think Sky were ahead of BBC Two. Yes, we were. We didn't have Sky. I didn't have Sky, I had BBC Two, but a friend of my brother's did. So I managed to see both episodes back to back because he'd recorded them and we borrowed the VHS. So I did actually get to cheat and didn't have to wait a whole year to see what happened to Picard. So I was quite quite relieved of that. Yeah. Can you imagine going a year having to wait for that climax? That's awful. Yeah, I know. Just, I mean, but that was it. That was thirty years ago. You know, it was. Um, yeah, you just couldn't imagine that kind of thing now. No, definitely. With internet and everything, people would just just find the episode. You know, and, and also, what best of both worlds all round is just such a solid episode because uh, uh, it hits on all of the uh, concepts of uh, Riker refusing to take his own command because he's so in yeah. love with the ship and then having this uh, determined new uh, officer Shelby who I yeah. as I've got older I love Shelby no I think she's great I think at the time <clears throat> I probably agree with you I didn't like her but um no I think she's fantastic and it's a real shame that they never brought her back I think I think she is in books it's almost certain that she is in books mm-hmm. but they're not canon but she would have been a great character um, had they gone the way that they had thought they might go, i.e. killing off uh, Picard, then she would have made an excellent first officer to Riker. But it would, it would have been nice to see her you know, stay on the Enterprise but in a different role and maybe show up in one or two episodes or even just be on another ship and then again maybe show up again later. Even in DS9 or in Voyager it would have been really good uh, to see her. She would have been really good on Voyager, for instance, if she was trapped in the Delta Quadrant. So... A real missed opportunity, I think. I th- thought she was a great character, and I would love to have seen more of her. Um, but I think Best of Both Worlds, like any two-parter, it's very much an episode of two halves. I sound like a football commentator, but I think the first episode is the stronger of the two. I think the second yeah. is great, but I think the first one with that real build-up of tension and then you know the Borg ship pursuing them and them hiding in the nebula and then eventually finding McCard and having that shocking ending where you see that he's been assimilated um, really is one of the best cliffhangers that I've ever seen in TV. You know, 
up to that point and and probably since I think it is still it is still well regarded as one of the best cliffhangers of TV ever. Mm-hmm. Um, the second the second episode it's still really good, you know. It's it's but I think this any second episode always has to tie things up neatly, um, which sometimes detracts a little, you know, from from the the tension that you get in that first episode. But all round, you know, a really good proper first Borg episode. Um, you know, with some really cool, some really cool battles in there, some mass destruction. I mean, forty starships were destroyed at Wolf three five nine. That's a that's a hell of a lot of ships, and some great character moments, some really nice moments with um, Picard and Guinan, mm-hmm. whose race was obviously pretty much destroyed by the Borg. And that I still really enjoy the the, the scenes in Data's lab, where Picard's just managing to fight and he's you know sleep sleep and just manages to give Data that clue where they can get the Borg to put, put themselves into a regeneration mode and end up destroying the ship. Fantastic episode. Oh, it is absolutely fantastic. And as you said, uh, I really do uh, enjoy Guinan's part in the uh, episodes as well, just being the, uh, like the almost like bearer of bad news. Like, like you're fucked. You really are screwed. Yeah, there's nothing you can do here. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and just great moments as well between between her and Picard, and also her and, and Riker. Uh, in yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. She she says, you know, I'm used to having the captain's ear, so she sort of goes in and you know talks to him, and he said, you know, you must let him go. You know, I've let him go. That's what you have to do. You have to, you have to throw away the the rule book on this ship if we're going to be able to defeat him and defeat the Borg. And of course, they do. Yeah, exactly. And and, and that's the thing, just playing it exactly. Picard knows. Uh, the Borg know everything Picard knows, so don't go with anything that you would have gone with. Yeah. So, and as you said, yeah. such a strong, strong episode. Um, and then we get our next instalment with the introduction of Hugh in I Borg. Yeah. That's season all the way in season five, right towards the end of season five. So we haven't seen the Borg for quite a while in TNG at this point. It's amazing when. You look back at series, I keep on saying it because it is true. Whether it's with, say, Gowron or Q or anything else, you feel like there are far more episodes than there are. But that just shows how impactful those episodes were. Yeah. Because to go from episode one of season four all the way to the end of season five without any Borg, it's like... That's crazy. I thought there was loads more than that. Yeah, if you count them up, there, there were six Borg episodes in TNG. Yeah, that's nuts. It's, it's hardly... Yeah, how can it say there, there were far more in Voyager, mm-hmm. but and TNG introduced them. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's quite amazing, isn't it? it but is. I Borg, yeah, as you said, uh, the introduction of Hugh, mm-hmm. who we saw more recently in Picard, um, and the episode where they find the... There's a small scout ship. I think there were four or five Borg there, all dead. Yep. One severely injured. The beam aboard the ship has been separated from the collective, and uh, they turn him into a little pet. <laughs> That's the thing. They, they they name him. They feed him. Give him some water, and mm. it's it really does uh, uh, present my. Like, uh, it does what Star Trek does best: a moral dilemma of. Mm. Uh, pick up because at this point the Borg are this uh, faceless enemy 
that are just an absolute uh, threat to their way mm. of life and to it, it, like they cause such destruction yeah, yeah. so you it, when you've got an enemy like that you need to be as equally relentless to mm. like uh, to survive them so his initial plans of using Hugh as a like weapon of mass destruction against the Borg uh, is perfectly fine. And then also as Hugh develops his sense of self, it then, it, and also what's interesting here as well is because as we said, the Borg are continually evolving because later on in Voyager, it's like you, you're not, they wouldn't have gave Hugh his own sense of self. They would have made him rediscover his sense of who he was before he was assimilated. Yeah. Rather than that, so it's it, it's an it's. An, I enjoy this part of like seeing the progression of the Borg, but then yeah, wrestling with the uh, moral quandaries of can you send this individual, uh, like on a uh, unknowingly a suicide mission back to the Borg? Yeah, I mean, I do really enjoy the the scenes with where Picard first meets Hugh, and he walks in and. Hugh recognises, you know, says Locutus, and Picard realises this, and he's like, oh, okay, and he's got, yes, I am Locutus of Borg, and he's like, what are you doing here? He's like, you know, well, I'm here to facilitate the incorporation of this species, and, you know, Geordie will be assimilated, and he's like, no, he does not wish it, and it's, you know, Picard's really testing him, and then he realises that Hugh has become an individual, um, and that's really what changes his mind. Um, like you said, real moral dilemma there, but a what I, I think it's a really, really solid episode. It's not. There's no big space battles. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's there's no nothing really in the way of action going on, but a really good, as you said, a really good moral Star Trek tale, um, which are often the best episodes. We all love you know cool space battles and loads of action, but it's really those moral dilemmas and and the human condition that makes for the best episodes and. You know, in terms of that, this is one of. We're, we're going to get to the other one shortly. Um, this is one of those best Borg episodes where it's not action and it is just about that moral dilemma. And I know the other. I know you know the other episode I'm talking about, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. but funnily <clears throat> enough, do you uh, do you think that Picard made the right decision at the end to not? send Hugh or would the ends have justified the means I think he made the right decision Mm -hmm. I think he did Um, I don't I don't always think that ends justify means Um, if Hugh was just a a individual you know just a a drone that was still attached to the collective he wasn't a person you know he wasn't a a human being for want of a better word he wasn't human he was some other race then I think it would be justified because you, you'd just be sending uh, an armed missile into the Borg to destroy them. Mm-hmm. But to use a person like that is morally wrong. So I think he made he made the right decision morally. Um, if he'd been able to destroy the Borg, then you know, happy days. They could have saved a lot of lives. But I would say he's got the moral high ground there and say that he did the right thing. What about you? What do you think? I don't know because I... It is a tough one. It is a tough one. It, it is because the thing is, you go back to the rhetoric of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah. So 
if you can stop the Borg from uh, destroying countless more worlds by sacrificing one individual, yeah, it's it. it mm. I th- I think going with the logical path, I think that Picard could have easily justified sending Hugh back as a weapon, mm. but. It's, it, as you said, it's a moral quandary. Could Picard have slept at night knowing that he had killed that individual to save others? Mm. So personally, very, I would. Very tough. Yeah, mm. personally, I would have sent Hugh back as a weapon. Mm. I thought you might say that. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it, kill them all. <laughs> kill them all. <laughs> uh, so uh, and. What a great episode. Really, really good episode. Really good episode. And as you said, nothing fancy, no space battles, just uh, not even brand new sets. Like the Alien World would have been a reused. Uh, else. It was a very small set reused from something else. Um, and then the science we lab. We see Sick Bay Science Lab. That's pretty much all we see. Yeah, exactly. And that's all you need to see. No, is it? It's, it? it's really all you need. Uh, but then it leads up to uh, the next two-parter. Yeah, Descents are right at the end of Season 6 and the beginning of Season 7. And here we see, so a nice follow-on from Iborg, we see the consequences of Picard's actions sending Hugh back into the collective. Um, so he, he was rescued by a cube, and his sense of individuality had spread through that cube. Now, the Borg managed to disconnect them, um, before it spread any further, but that entire cube, uh, all of the Borg on there, started to function as individuals, and they couldn't function. They couldn't operate the ship. They were all over the place. When someone comes along who helps to f- helps them to find some kind of purpose, mm-hmm. and of course that is Law. Yeah, who has no moral quandary about taking advantage of anything <laughs> absolutely i mean hell he he got a crystalline entity to just wipe out a planet so why would taking advantage of a few ball drones be an issue yeah no no that wasn't an issue for him um yeah and obviously we, we see geordie gets captured data gets captured and you know law was manipulating data and they're experimenting on geordie because of the technology in his visor and he's experimenting on on Borg. Um, you know, it, it's Law's vision that they can become entirely artificial, removing all of their organic components, and truly awful things are, are happening um, to those members of that uh, Borg cube. And it, personally for me, <clears throat> this is one of uh, what I would consider one of my uh, weakest Borg episodes. Yeah, I was going to go with that. I, I'm not a huge... It's not terrible, but it's... In terms of Borg episodes, it's... Mm, I'm, I'm not keen on the Borg. After they fought them and they go back to the ship and Riker said it wasn't like fighting Borg, it was more like fighting Klingons. Um, I like the Borg because they are the Borg. I don't want them behaving like anything else. I like them for what they are. So to see them behave in that different way. Uh, it's quite nice to see Law again and you know to have that have him finally finished off at the end, um, you know, and to, and to see Data almost get turned and, you know, his interactions with Geordie is nice. But in terms of Borg episodes, it's actually quite weak. 
and they've got that weird ship and we have that whole bit where it's quite nice to see um dr Cru dr crusher in charge of the ship and you know they're hiding the sun's corona and all of that but yeah, mm -hmm. yeah you're right in terms of Borg episodes, um, spoiler alert, this is not going to be in my top five. Yeah, no, and I think, it, it, as you said, it, my, it, not issue, I, I think uh, what makes this one of my least favourite is I prefer the Borg to be unrelenting. I prefer, I like it when the Borg have an element of horror to them. Yeah, because that's who they are. Yeah, exactly. So uh, th that is personally why... This episode is uh, one of my least favorite, but as you said, in general, yes, it, it, it's, a, it's a good episode. I enjoy it. Mm. I enjoy it. But as a Borg episode, definitely at the latter half of the list. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And that is all of the TNG Borg mm. episodes. And it's hard to believe, isn't it? Hard to believe. Yeah, crazy, crazy. And then. <laughs> Uh, through season three, we started to get hints of uh, the Borg, uh, in, like coming near in Voyager, because well, we knew we knew we were going to be there because we knew the Borg had um, <clears throat> large sections of space in the Delta Quadrant, so we knew eventually they were going to come across them. Um, and what an episode to you know to come across. Yes, oh, th that's the thing. The the first. Well, I, there had been instances of, I think, finding Borg relics and other things uh, beforehand. But yeah, this is the first uh, instance of they're running into the Borg cube mm. in Voyager. I think, and I think the opening to, to this to Scorpion is fantastic. So you see, you know, the Borg coming in. We are the Borg, you will be assimilated. You just see these other ships just come in and just completely obliterate the cube. And then that's, that's the cold open for the episode. And you're like wait, what? You know, because you don't expect ships to be able to come in and just completely destroy, I think, just destroy three or four cubes, is that right? Yes. Yes, no, you're right. And these little ships, the, the bio ships just come in and just completely obliterate them, and you're like, holy shit, what's going on here? Yeah. And that's the thing, it's... One of the, a great episode opener. Oh, it's brilliant, because as you said, uh, until this point, the Borg, especially uh, on the back of First Contacts as well, uh, like where in first contact you get that huge battle with all of the federation ships going up against one cube so you see just how powerful the ball cube is and yeah uh, then the uh, the bio ship species 8472 just one shots them yeah and is uh, as you said such a cool cool opening uh do you want to take us the rest of the way with that mark yeah so i mean obviously we we Discover that it's species eight four seven two. You know they've they've come in from fluidic space and they're they're hell bent on destroying um, the galaxy. And then Voyager forms an unlikely alliance with the Borg. Um, they, uh, I mean, you would never have seen this coming in a million years. But you know, they said we'll work with you. You know, we'll travel with you while you while you develop the weapon. And you know, Janeway sent onto the ship to work on it. And um, they then say, well, we'll assign a drone to work with you. And we just see that this one random drone just disengage and come and walk up. And at this point, um, I think when I was watching Voyager, so I would have been watching this more or less, you know, live as it was on TV. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea that they were going to bring on a that this was going to happen, that they were going to bring on a new character, and it would be an ex Borg, um, as they call them in Picard. 
Um, so I just thought, oh, this is just some random drone, and I thought, oh, well, you know, it's it's quite well, quite well acted and quite well put together. And obviously, she turns out to be the amazing Seven of Nine, who I think everyone loves. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and also, I um on the build as on the build up uh, uh, on that first episode, once again, uh, just continually ramping up the stakes with regards to Voyager discovering the waste defeat 8472, but knowing that they've got the trump card, being like, okay, then we want safe passage through your space yeah. before we get yeah, to this. Yeah, but, but the Borg are like, no, we want the weapon now. You know, their space is huge. You know, it would take them years to cross it, I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we want the weapon now. We must have the weapon now. The Borg are really scared here, which is quite which is quite fun to see, but it's also quite scary to see the Borg so scared. They're absolutely terrified of these, um, of Species 8472, and rightly so as well, because they're pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing. It's, it, it's at this point, uh, it, 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 how do you fall? Do you think, okay, then, well, uh, anyone who's kicking the Borg's ass are all right in my book, or do you think that, that mm. this species is going to be far more of a threat than what the Borg are currently? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a case of the enemy of my enemy or my friend. You know, Species 8472 were willing, you know, they didn't just want to wipe out the Borg, they wanted to wipe out all life in our galaxy. Um, so I guess, you know, that, that made the Borg unlikely companions like i said the enemy of my enemy is my friend and that's why the the borg and the federation decided okay we need to stop them so we will work together in this instance um to rid the galaxy of this threat exactly and also with the right uh amount of apprehension as well especially being presented by uh chakotay uh like when he like uh gives the um old uh, tells the story of uh the scorpion. The, the scorpion, yeah. yeah. Riding on the... Is it a fox? The fox is back. Like yeah. Yeah, and he's like, he said, well, let me ride on your back across the river. He says, no, you'll sting me and I'll die. He's like, well, if I do that, I'll die too. And the fox is like, yeah, okay. So swimming across and it stings him and they both die. And the fox says, what do you do that for? He said, I'm a scorpion. It's in my <laughs> what nature. What do you expect me to yeah. It's in my nature. What do you expect me to do? Um but no good analogy for them, you know. They, they, this is that's what they are, and they will destroy you. They will kill you because that is just in their very nature. Um, so some good skepticism there um, from Chakotay, and then you know we get seven of nine. We get all you know. We get her all of her Borg implants removed, and it's, she starts her very very long journey uh, towards humanity, and it's really only towards the very end of Voyager that she gets anywhere near it really and even then she's not she's she's come a hell of a long way um from when she was you know assimilated and first released mm-hmm. but it's probably not until we see her again in Picard that she's anywhere near what we, we we would consider a regular human would you agree yeah no i would agree <clears throat> because it, it, at the end of end game we're guessing her taking her first steps at like developing a relationship and uh, learning the ways, but she is still learning. She's not, yeah. it, it's not just coming naturally to her. It is still a process. Mm. Whereas you said, by the time that uh, Picard uh, rolls around, she is just as human as any other person. Yeah. 
but uh, also in this episode, what I enjoy as well is the scenes of the Borg sacrificing cubes to ensure the uh, safety of Voyager, knowing that they've yes. got the weapon. Yeah. Just those scenes of uh, like them transporting uh, Janeway and uh, some of the Borg drones back onto Voyager, but then just slamming the Borg cubes into the eight four seven two ships. Yeah, willingly sacrificing. Yeah, they, I mean, like you said, they've they've got huge numbers on their side, but they know that is quite cool. They, they're like, yeah, they're actually sacrificing themselves, you know, for their enemy, for the Federation. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a good point. That is, that is a nice touch. And and then also just once again showing that you can't trust the Borg later in the episode, where like Seven and the uh, drones are then trying to take over Voyager, and they just well, what are we going to do? Exactly. What else are they going to do? Yeah, well, we're going to assimilate the ship. It's more efficient this way. You know, that's that's just what we do. We'll assimilate the ship. We'll all work together, and uh, we'll develop the whip weapon more quickly. And we'll be able to travel more quickly, and we'll just assimilate all your crew. What's the problem? Yeah, exactly. And uh, you gotta love you gotta love drones being shoved out of the airlock. As yeah, well. <laughs> just seeing them float away into space. It's quite like uh, quite like first contact. Absolutely. So yeah, no. Uh, for me personally, but a cracking a, a cracking season. Uh, finale slash season opener. I think one of, in my opinion, one of the best in Star Trek. I would agree with that. I'd absolutely agree with that because I just remember. I remember the time uh, when it was uh, out and just the pure excitement of watching that because I picked that up on. I picked uh, the end of season three up on VHS uh, because by the time that when Sky was running them. For some reason, the VHSs by the end of the season were coming out before uh, they were being aired on Sky. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So <clears> like <throat> they would they would start releasing after uh, it started, but because there was two episodes on each VHS, it would end slowly up slowly, ca- yeah, slowly edging ahead here. Yeah, and yeah. so picking that up and then seeing that episode was just amazing. So. Mm. As as you said, does exactly what you want from a uh, end of season episode. Yeah. So next up, mm-hmm. so we jump. Uh, well, we only jump one season here, so we go into season five, episode two, with drone. Uh, so this was the other episode I was referring to uh, earlier when we spoke about eyeball. So this is not much in you know not as much in the way of action, but much more of a a moral tale. Um, about what happens to an individual drone. So the Doctor's, uh, is it 20, it's 29th century, his, uh, yes. his mobile emitter is assimilated by Borg technology and in a maturation chamber we have this highly advanced Borg drone which is um, being grown in there and then it detaches itself and awaits instructions and it thinks it's a Borg, but it doesn't know a lot. But it wants to know what the Borg are. It tries to um, contact the Borg, um, and Seven of Nine, even though she's you know less than a year out of the Borg herself and becoming a human, is kind of set up as being a, a surrogate mother for the drone. And it, it once again, it does what uh, Eyeball uh, does brilliant: is just presenting moral quandaries mm. of uh, because the, it's almost. It's, a, it, it's not quite a Tuvix episode, 
but it presents those sort of, it, it has like remnants of that sort of like it, aspects of two characters creating a whole brand new character. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then also what do you do with that? And uh, the Voyager crew, very apprehensive because this is a Borg that is 500 years more advanced than any Borg. Yeah. And if the collective get hold of him, they're suddenly giving their enemy a huge step up. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, that is the moral quandary for that. But there were some really, um, some really quite humorous moments in this episode as well. Um, I really like the performance. Now, I want to say, I'm just going to check this on Wikipedia. I think, is this, is that Niles from um, Frasier? Is it David? Uh, what, Hyde the drones? Yeah. Is it, it kind really? Of looks like, I'm not, I always thought it was. I'm just going to have a look. Uh, drone, oh, I've got to look for the episode. Uh, oh, here we go, drone episode. I thought it was because it definitely looks like him. Um, oh, Niles. Niles. I mean, heavily made up. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. going to look. I've, I must have looked before, but I can't remember. Um, no, it's not. It's J. Paul Bomer. Mm-hmm. I always thought he looked like... Um, like Niles. Oh, I'll tell you who he, I know who he is. Um, yeah, he's been in several uh, episodes. If you go to Carbon Creek in Enterprise... Yep, he's one of the Vulcans. Paul, he's one of the Vulcans. You know, he kind of does look a bit like Niles, though. Mm-hmm. He does have that look at him. He played one of the Nazi officers in The Killing Game and Voyager. Okay. Um, and uh, other Nazi officers in uh, Zero Hour and Stormfront in Enterprise. Mm-hmm. I always thought it looked, did look like um, David Hyde Pierce from uh, um, from Frasier. But no, he's got some really, really nice humorous moments with him. And then when he goes to, he goes to meet uh, Catherine Janeway. And, you know, he says, am I adequate? And he says, you know, this isn't an yeah. inspection. I just wanted to meet you. And he's, like, really quite uh, enthusiastic about things. And, uh, you know, she's giving him data to assimilate. He's like, I want to know more. I want to know more. And she's like, no, no, you know, trying to calm him down. It's almost like the relationship that data had with Lau. Mm-hmm. When he's, like, really keen to learn and gets too enthusiastic. And she's like, no, we must regenerate now. You know, it's, t- it's time to do this. So there, there are, like I said, she'd become a surrogate mother uh, to him. And you, you do get elements of that relationship that data had with Lal. Um, but he's got really cool technology though, internal transporter nodes and you know and in the end, you know, he beams himself onto that onto that Borg ship and then directs them into is it a nebula or is it a neutron cell? Directs them in to destroy the ship because he knows you know, he can hear the Borg and he does want to join you know, he wants to understand the Borg, but he knows that if they get a hold of him, then that's it. The Borg are going to be pretty much unstoppable. So, not really a moral dilemma from anyone else, but from him, you know, he's going like, I've only been alive a short period of time. I want to know more, but I can't be allowed to live. You know, I am just too powerful. Well, that's the thing. And even though, uh, and after destroying it, just the scenes after destroying the cube and his personal shield keeping him alive. And then beaming mm. him back onto the ship, and just having those those scenes in sick bay where they want to save him, but he's like, "No, if I'm alive, then you are always in danger," and keeps his shield up so that they can't treat him and save his life. Yeah, it's it's really a touching scene. Yeah, it is. It's a great episode. I've I've I kind of had. 
I've got things. Um, I'd put my top five into the spreadsheet. And now we're talking. I'm thinking. Hmm, I'm wondering how I'm going to move things around. I don't know. How, did you have some ideas on what your top five would be, I've, or if you kind of wing it? I've. Uh, I had a rough idea, but I'm also winging it because the thing is, what we what we'll do, Mark, is if we rank um, some extra ones below that, and then what we'll do is we'll average out IR scores to come up with a trekmate top five as well okay all right we'll try that yeah so what we'll do it so once that you don't that you think we're like just so close keep them in mind and then we'll like add up the totals fair enough no that's that's probably a good idea yeah so but yeah no uh, definitely an amazingly strong episode oh yeah definitely uh a highlight of um Highlight of the Borg and, uh, you know, a, a really solid Voyager episode all around. Mm-hmm. Love it. Great episode. So that then takes us on to the same season, halfway down the line, was Dark Frontier. Yeah. Now, I, I there were some there were elements to this that I really, really like, and there were elements that I don't. So I'll cover off what I really like. I really like the flashback scenes where we see young Annika Hansen with her parents. And there were questions there because, you know, it, it seems to indicate that these Federation scientists knew about the Borg and they were going out to try and find them. But when the Enterprise encountered them at Who, it seemed to be a complete surprise. So there's that little, you know, how did you know how did the rest of the Federation not know about this? Could be that these were, you know, seen as scientists on the fringe of the galaxy with wacky theories and nobody really paid any attention to them and they were just kind of left to their own devices mm-hmm. um putting that aside i do really enjoy those scenes those flashback scenes with annika as a young girl and her parents and them, them going onto the borg ship and them you know being so clever and having the, the shielding where they could basically hide on on the borg ship and they could study things i really really enjoy that um the borg queen i enjoy less so mm-hmm. and as much as i love <clears throat> first contact the movie for me i don't think the borg queen works i think the borg are one entity and having one individual represent them sort of takes away from that from that scary factor of them mm-hmm. i can understand why they did it especially in a movie you know you have to have a single character to interact with that's why they did it for the film personally it didn't work for me um, so I always find scenes with the Borg Queen a little jarring. I think the scary thing about the Borg is when you're connected, there there are no individuals. There is just one single mind. And having that one person to interact with just kind of takes me out of it a little. So for me, there were lots of elements that I do like. And this is all around a solid episode, but I really, really enjoy the flashback scenes. The Borg Queen scenes, not so much. I think I'm there with you because in the sense of, I think the Borg, don't get me wrong, I don't mind the Borg Queen. However, she is not ever presented as a part of the collective. She is very much like a, she is in charge. Like, so Mm. it's her will, it's her whims that uh, the Borg uh, go with. So mm. and the Borg work best when they are most scary when they are this faceless entity. 
that that will just consume you and take away everything that you hold dear about yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I I, I personally think that that is which which is strange because I do enjoy some of the the Queen interactions at certain points, but I. She- yeah, I yeah, I the the overall concept. I'm like, I don't really like it, but some of, yeah, the, the way. And I mean, it, she's played by um, Susanna Thompson here, so they've gone away from Alice Krieger. Um, Alice Krieger was, as much as I don't like the Borg Queen, I'm not you know, I'm not a fan. I think Alice Krieger did a, a wonderful performance in First Contact, and then does when she re- resumes the role later on. Um, but Susanna Thompson does a really good job as well. That's not to take away from her performance at all. Mm-hmm. Just saying, she wasn't Alice. Krieger, she does a really really good job. Um, but no, there are some nice inter- there are some nice interactions there. I'm just a, I'm a bit of a Borg purist. Um, so for me, having the Queen was just mm, it's not it's not my favourite thing. Um, the one thing I do like about this episode as well, though, is is the heist at the beginning. So the, the whole concept is is that they find this damaged Borg ship, and they're going to uh, beam on and steal steal some technology and hopefully shave twenty light years off their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's obviously when. Seven finds finds the records, you know, the the data nodes with the records of her parent. I, I kind of like that that heist mentality. Yeah, let's you know, let's just beam onto a ball shop ship, nick the technology, and uh, you know, yeah. cut some time off our journey. Exactly. No, I I think it's a great concept, and as you said, I really enjoy this um like the giving Seven's character more backstory because. I think it having seven being the age that she was when she was assimilated kind of gives you that uh, issue of, oh, well, the Federation didn't know about the Borg until this point in time. But it's like, no, yeah. they were this like they were this solo scout vessel that were investigating the stories of this mysterious race. And they yeah. just never got to report back. Yeah. And, uh, and also it portrays... But to be honest, Seven's parents, awful parents. Oh, terrible. They were, they were really, really reckless. I mean, how old was she when she was assimilated? What, six? Six, seven. Maybe seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, but like you said, it's, yeah, they're terrible parents. Great they, scientists. <laughs> great scientists, terrible parents. Um, you know, it's, it's but it, it is really nice to get that backstory to her character. And, you know, we've seen Borg who have been assimilated and seen them freed, Picard and probably others. That you know, I've read read books and others, but they'd only been assimilated for they've been assimilated as adults mm-hmm. and had been, you know, captives um, for maybe a few months or years. So it was relatively easy for them to make the transition back to individuality. You know, Annika was like we said, six, maybe seven. She'd have almost no memory. Because most people don't remember much before they're four years old. She's probably only got one or two years of memories there as a child. The rest of her life, the next 20 years or whatever it was, was was spent, you know, as part of the collective. So, Mm -hmm. you know, then you can really understand why she found it so difficult to to regain her humanity. And it it just fleshes out the character. And I love Seven, you know, she's a fantastic Mm -hmm. character. And Harry Wine, you know, plays her so well. But it's just really, really nice to have her her character rounded out like this and also quite dark that um i think it's in the uh, second part of the uh, uh two-part that they uh, that the queen also uh, reveals that uh, seven's dad is in 
uh, yeah. like in her, uh, what would you call it, section in in in, in the Unimatrix. Yeah, Unimatrix zero one. Yeah, and um, yeah, he's there, and you, you see her dad. Then it's obviously the same actor with all the all the bald makeup, and she says Papa, and it's like, holy shit, that's quite creepy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, a bit of a you know, Borg, Borg episodes are often, especially two parters, come around season finales. But like you said, I mean, we're slap bang in the middle of season five here. Um, they're really, really cracking down on the Borg episodes, I suppose, because they're in peak Borg space. Um, but often mid-season episodes can be a bit hit and miss. They normally save something which is as good as this for a finale. Mm-hmm. Um, and although I've said there are bits of this I don't like. I actually really like Dark Frontier. I think I think it's a really good episode. Yeah, absolutely. It might not make the top five, but it's a solid one. It it, it really is. And uh, Dark Frontier was very. Uh, it, I was tempted to put it in my top five. I was very mm. very tempted to put it in my top five. Um, so then we went on to Collective. Yes. So we find the Borg children. I fucking hate the Borg children. <laughs> I hate the Borg children. I'm not a massive fan. Um, each ebb kind of turned out okay-ish in the end. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting one. They uh, you know find this ship and, and and the kids are you know determined to act as Borg, but they they can't really function. Um, but they are a little. Yeah, they are a little annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm just. I don't know why I'm unforgiving of them. I just it, because the whole concept of like the the ship, uh, all of the drones on the ship's getting wiped out, and the only reason why the Borg kids have survived is because of the maturation chambers protecting mm. them. Mm. Uh, I get it, but at the same time, the uh, once again, I think this goes back to I prefer my Borg to act like Borg and not be children trying to be Borg. Yeah. And that's not yeah. saying that the children, like the actual actors themselves, it's no, that the, the direction that they went for it is that these children are still children, still individuals and not exceptionally Borgish. They just... No, because they haven't been fully assimilated um, yet. But no, I, I get what you mean, and I mean it, it's quite good. Um, I'm sure you're quite glad when we, we, you know, we see the back of the children quite quickly. Other than Echeb, of course. But I think I think Echeb, in the end, he turns out okay. I mean, he's not my favourite character in Voyager by any stretch of the imagination, but he's he's not terrible. Uh, okay, I'll give I'll give you feedback on that once I finish my rewatch because mm. I was very glad when they killed him in Picard. <laughs> I took quite quite a lot of enjoyment from that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let me know what you think when you've when you finished it. Uh, there's one thing I do quite like about this: uh, the, the beginning of the episode, and and you know they the beam onto the ship, and they've got like this partially assimilated body, and it's got like bits all over the place. You know, they've tried to do something with it. You know, they've tried to assimilate it, and they've made like a complete mess of it, and it's quite horrific. It's like, um, you know, arms and legs and things everywhere, and you're like, oh my Christ! You know, they they've you can imagine the, the the horrors that you see the Borg um, achieve when you know they're in full Borg mode, and if they don't know what they're doing, you know the the awful mess that they could make. So that that's quite a nice touch at the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. 
and and also it kind of reminded me of uh, other episodes where we've seen uh, like transporter accidents where just tech has absolutely mucks people up. Yeah. Yeah, they've got like bits right through their body because they've tried to fuse them with technology. Yeah, that's that's quite cool. Yeah, absolutely. So then we move on to the next two-parter, which is Unimatrix Zero. The idea of uh, the Borg, certain Borg who have certain genetic traits being able to collectively communicate whilst they're regenerating. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I, I skipped this. On, I, like I said, I did a Voyager rewatch mm-hmm. um, starting about a year ago, a little over a year ago. I skipped this. Ep- I think I got halfway through the first uh, episode and I just don't like it. It just doesn't work for me. Um, I suppose it's an interesting idea, but like you, I just want the boot ball to be hard and cool. I don't want them to be all vulnerable and, you know, that's not who they are. Mm-hmm. Um I was it's, it's no. Nah, I was going to say it's quite nice that Seven kind of had this relationship with this guy, but then that guy kind of gets on my nerves. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say about this. I, one. I get where you're coming from in the sense of I, I think you feel towards this uh, particular drone the way that I feel towards each ep. So, <laughs> so I, I feel your pain. Um, but there are elements of this episode that I do enjoy. I enjoy, um, it, I enjoy the uh, the basic concept, but as you said, it, it's not how I prefer my Borg. But at the same time, I uh, towards the end, I enjoyed the idea of there being a kind of resistance of Borg that have been disconnected from the collective. Yeah, they sort of when 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 they go to sleep, they they'll have they'll meet up and um, yeah, try and try and plot against the Borg, and it, it is quite nice as well. You know, the you know we said about interactions between the Borg Queen. You know, when she, you know, she's offering Janeway transwarp technology. You know, if she can find out where these people are, so she takes this very very seriously. If she's willing to give Voyager technology, just so she can weed out those elements within the collective tells quite a lot she's running scared yeah exactly and also then by the end of the second episode they've uh tri- because the towards uh, the end goal of it was janeway agreed to shut down unimatrix zero uh, for the ball queen uh but without the ball queen known they just destroyed unimatrix zero and so yeah. then the uh, allowing the drones that uh, were able to go to Unimatrix Zero were instead just permanently disconnected from the collective as well. Yeah. So now the, the Borger have also got this internal fight against, uh, like how, I don't know, like, like, is it pre- presents one of those situations where you don't know who you can trust. It's it's only the fact that the uh, the queen knows directly if she is in uh, like contact with like uh, drones that whether she can hear them or not. So if they can't hear that drone's thoughts, then okay, she just ships them off and gets them killed. So yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> also I I enjoy seeing a bit of uh, uh, Klingon action as well. 
and there's a, a little bit of that in there. But yeah, it's good. To see, yeah, yeah, you do you, you do get to see a few of the different species. So yeah, you don't you don't get to see many uh, Klingons who've been assimilated. So yeah, but then see, seeing them, you know, in in Unimat- in Unimatrix Zero is 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 pretty cool. Definitely, definitely not in my top five. No, no, it hasn't <clears> not made now. my top five either. But uh, there are elements of that episode that I enjoy. Yeah, they're all good elements. And then we come to the end, or what we thought was the end. Mm-hmm. Um, with Endgame, the Voyager finale. Um, I'm not a bit as a finale to a series. I'm not a massive fan of Endgame. Um, I don't like. I don't like Jane. I I love Captain Jane. I think I think she's brilliant. You know, after I did my rewatch last year, and I hadn't rewatched Voyager in quite a few years, mm-hmm. and um, been stuck at home a lot over the last year. So early on, and within the first lockdown. I just put decided just to put um, Caretaker on and then just said, oh, fuck it, I'm going to do a rewatch. And by the time I finished Voyager, I was like, yeah, I've forgotten how much I actually enjoyed it. And Janeway is actually one of my favourite captains. I think she's great. I don't enjoy Janeway from the future. Mm-hmm. I don't like her much in this episode. Um, but we're not really talking about Voyager finale. You know, it, it's the Borg in this. I actually quite like this as a Borg episode. Um I think the 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 queen is is very good in here. They're very menacing. I really enjoy the build up. I don't enjoy so much the very ending when they fly over San Francisco and they get all the fireworks. It all seems a bit little bit neat, but when they're having that battle towards the end, and um, I remember watching this for the first time and I was thinking, how would I do this? How would I do this? What I would do was fly fly through. I'd fire some photon torpedoes backwards, detonate them, and ride out the shockwave out of the transport conduit. And that's exactly what they did. You know, you know, you've watched yeah. too much Star Trek when you watch and go, "How would I do this?" And you go, "Well, I'd, I'd fire the photon torpedoes, and you know, we main power through the primary EPS conduits." And that's exactly what they do. And you're like, "Shit, I need to get out more." <laughs> you're just that in tune. Yeah, to what the uh, to what the writers are thinking. Yeah, and and also with Endgame as well, uh, with regards to it being a season finale. Um, has echoes of nods to all good things uh, as well, like being a mm. like set, uh, like partly set in the future. In the future, yeah. As well, in that sort of same timeline. Um, so, it, it, I do, I do enjoy this episode. When I rewatched it, I enjoyed it more this time round than when I first watched it. Mm which I'm not sure why, but as you said, with regards to um, the battles with the Borg, and it, <laughs> for coolness factor, yes. I think it, it, well, For coolness, this is up there. I mean, the giant hubs and the giant unicomplex, and those things are huge, and you see literally like thousands of ships. I mean, that's the Borg being proper hardcore, isn't it? So mm-hmm. coolness is, is way up there. It's like there's so much Borg technology going on and they're so badass in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to treat it as a Voyager finale. I'm going to treat it as a as a Borg episode. As a Borg episode, it's solid. Um, not the best ending to Voyager, but then a lot of people say that Voyager ruined the Borg. They made them too easy to defeat. In some ways, I, in some ways I agree. But we've also had some really, really badass episodes, um, Borg episodes in Voyager. So I think you could argue it both ways. Do you know what? Funnily enough, if you'd uh, if you'd asked me that question two weeks ago, my stance 
up until then would have absolutely been Voyager ruined the ball. They made them too weak. They, and But re-watching these 17 episodes, I actually think they've done all right with the Borg. No, I don't think, think they've done bad. No. No, I think they did pretty well overall. And I mean, uh, having seven in there, if we hadn't, if we hadn't have had seven, you know, for those last four seasons, we probably wouldn't have seen the Borg in quite the same way if they just popped up, you know, in in a few episodes from here to there. But having seven there as a permanent crew member and lots of the references there, it really helps you get sort of into the Borg psyche. So I think she did a lot as well um, to help. But no, some really, really solid episodes there in Voyager, and. I'm just going to have a look on my top five. Yeah, but they 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 do quite well in my top five. I still haven't quite decided on it, but yeah, Voyager episodes feature quite strongly in that. I'll say for now. Yeah. <clears throat> oh no, definitely, definitely. Okay, so that leaves the most recent Borg episode. Uh, yeah. Which the one I watched just a few days ago because I hadn't seen it in such a long time, and that is from season two of Enterprise, and that's Regeneration. Um, which I remember the outcry from fans who were just disgusted that the Enterprise were going to be touching on the Borg. How dare they? But yeah, I know there was a lot of backlash on this. And, you know, so it is all based around uh, the events of First Contact and a, a Borg, uh, part of a Borg ship was uh, crashed. It was in the Arctic, wasn't it? And it had been there for 100 years. Mm-hmm. And there were some drones left who'd managed to survive in the, in, in the icy conditions. And then, uh, so some scientists find them, start experimenting with them, and they come alive, start assimilating others, assimilating a ship and escape Earth, and Enterprise is sent to pursue them. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a... I like the way they have the tie into first contact. Um, there are quite a few things in here which are a little too convenient. The way that Phlox has de- already... You know, he's discovered the nanoprobes. He's developed a way to treat treat them. Um, it's like, well, I know it's a couple of hundred years later, but I'm sure they've got good computer records. You know, they know about these creatures. How come when we get to the 24th century, they're not more aware of it? The only thing um, that you could <clears throat> you could uh, say about that is that the events of First Contacts created another parallel universe in the sense of those Borgs wouldn't have been there in the past. The, the actions yeah, the, the actions of First Contacts created that another mirror universe. Mm. And that's what we see in that episode, possibly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at the end they say, you know, we've got 200 years because, you know, they, when they destroyed the ship and they send a signal, it says, you know, so I guess we've got 200 years before they show up. There were lots of holes, you know, there were some plot holes in this episode you can drive a bus through. Um, but I watched this just the other day and I actually really enjoyed it, despite all of those holes. And I just think, you know, as a as a tie-back episode, and, and I'm, I'm not the biggest Enterprise fan, by no means, um, but as a Borg episode and as an Enterprise episode, I actually really enjoyed this. I, I was It had been a while and I thought, okay, I will watch this because I can't don't remember it too well didn't remember liking it very much and watched it and thought, actually, I'd, I'd happily watch that again. Okay, there were plot holes, but it was a pretty cool Borg episode and I'm, I'm willing to forgive it because, well, fuck it, I just wanted, wanted to sit down and have a beer and watch some decent Star Trek and that's what I did. No, and it, no, I'll, <clears throat> I'll give you that. There are 
some plot holes. However, for me, this episode delivers what the Borg are. They're petrifying, yeah. they're unrelenting, that uh, yeah. they are an absolute threat. This episode almost has like a feeling of uh, like, uh, like almost <laughs> a bit like the thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going with that. Yeah. yeah that, I haven't seen the thing in years, but it's a great film. Um, yeah. That Arctic setting and the, you know, the, these creatures and yeah, it definitely has that feel to it. And like you said, the Borger, they're just relentless in this. They're just, they show no mercy. They will never stop. They will just keep going and going and going and do whatever it takes. You know, the, the ship was something like, a warp two, and then all of a sudden it's a warp four ship, and they're like, "Whoa, hang on a minute, that ship can't go." And it's all like, you know, they just enhance the technology so much in such a short space of time. They will, they will stop at nothing. Um, and yeah, in terms of Borg episodes, this is the ones where they show that um, characteristic the most. I would say, absolutely relentless. Mm-hmm. And also, it's like the the first. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 10 minutes of the episode we don't see any of the uh, normal enterprise crew it's all based around yeah it's all around them picking them up and on the research station and it's i like i quite like it when episodes do that you know you just see a completely different part of the universe and then they'll jump to the ship and say yeah something's gone wrong we need to do something but we yeah we spend the first 10 maybe 15 minutes in this completely different setting which is quite refreshing and also it's it's not like uh, like the stuff that came before it, I didn't enjoy because I loved the stuff of the researchers finding the Borg and just that ele- mm. that that light horror element uh, towards mm. it. Really, really enjoyed it. For me, this yeah. is a very strong outing for the Borg. Oh, definitely. Um, I also just like you know we we get the reference to Zephyr Cochrane and you know when he said he told the stories of. Um, cybernetic creatures from the future and said he later recanted the story and Paul says well you know he was known for telling tall tales and he was an alcoholic yeah (laughs) (laughs) no um I'd absolutely agree this is a a very very strong uh very strong episode um Mm -hmm. very good enterprise episode very good Borg episode and I'm not quite sure where it's going to fall yet but um yeah it's definitely up there Excellent. In terms of in, in terms of episodes. Okay. Well, as we've been discussing it, I have been refining uh, my tops. So I, I I currently have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have a, I have a top seven. I do too. I have a top seven. Okay. So between these top seven, it, we should be able to uh, figure out. Uh, we, it, what we'll do is we will share our personal top sevens and then we'll average out those scores to uh, work out what the official Trekmate top five Borg episodes are. Okay, so are we going to do like Matt did last time? So if we do five for number one, are we going to do top five and then will we score the bottom two? No, we won't score six. We'll score the top five reckon- and then we'll see how... Because my your six or my six may be in your five, so it will it will get points. Should we try that and see what happens? We uh, or or we can give each since we both have a seven, we can score them up to seven because then oh, right. some yeah, might, and, and then we can take the top five from there. Yeah. So number okay, we'll one will get seven points. Yeah. Then uh, do you want to keep score or shall I? 
I've got a spreadsheet here, so I've I've just scored mine. Wonderful. So shall I shall I do mine in reverse order? Okay. Uh, I tell you what. Shall we go one at a time, or reveal our uh, reveal like uh, both of our sevens, then our sixes, or? Yeah, let's do it that way. Yeah. Okay. That'll be more tension that way. Yes. Okay. So uh, so what was your number seven? My number seven is Dark Frontier. Funnily enough, despite me saying yeah. But it's like, yeah, I, it's it's a good episode. I I have issues with some of it, but it's a good episode. Funnily enough, my number seven is Dark Frontier. Oh, interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I'm just making. Okay. Uh, um, my my number six. Yeah. Or do you want to give your number six? Okay, well, I'll go for it. Uh, my number six is Endgame. Oh, okay. I have my number six as Regeneration. Oh, so, okay. This enjoyed is the episode. I, I would have thought it would have been way lower, but I really enjoyed the episode the other day, and it sort of it's pushed it. It's at number yeah. six. It's not quite my top five, but it's really gone up a lot further than I um, thought it would be. Mm-hmm. No, very interesting. Okay, so what was your okay. number five? Um, I have gone for Q Who. Mm-hmm. It's still an episode I go back and watch. It's a first appearance of the Borg, uh, an enemy who I absolutely love. There are better episodes above it, but I had to have that in my top five. It's right at the bottom of the top five, but it's there nonetheless. I absolutely understand that. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. Okay. Uh, my number five is... My number five is Drone. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed that episode. Okay, so... And- your number four? My number four is Q Who. Mm, interesting. Yeah, so just slightly above yours. Yeah, and my number four is Iborg. A very solid entry. Mm. Very solid entry. Um, so, score. Oh, so what's your number three? My number three is Drone. It's Drone. Excellent. It, mm-hmm. it's, it, it really is a good episode. I th- I th- I was expecting it to. I don't know. I, I was almost expecting drone to be further down the list, but no, mm. that's that's going to pull it up there. I think. Yeah. Okay. So my number three was Scorpion. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So my number two is Best of Both Worlds. Classic. Absolute classic. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm re- really interested to see what your number one is then. If mm. if best both worlds is down at that. So, okay. So, my number two is regeneration. Ooh. I, I just it has that element of horror that I love, and just the I get it. it portrays the Borg so well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Wayne. Give me your number one. My number one is. The best of both worlds. I really struggled. Um, I sort of put things backwards and forwards about should best of both worlds be number one? Should it be number two? That's the thing. I I was really fighting with it. I was fighting with it because I was like, it 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 almost seems Mm. cliche to put best of both worlds at the Mm. top, but it deserves for me personally. It deserves to be there. Yeah. Okay. So, what is your number one mark? My number one is drumroll scorpion, and um, it, that's like, uh, 
I can't argue with your placement of any of these episodes because they so easily could go in any of those orders because I was yeah. quite surprised that for me in the end I Borg didn't come in my top seven. Mm. Yeah. And um yeah, I had to have Q Who in there as well, mm-hmm. same as you did. Um right, so I'm gonna put five which I think are there and I'm gonna do some let's see if I can add up what the scores are. Right, so Scorpion is there. That has got 12. Best of both worlds has 7. I oh, know. Scorpion has 13. <laughs> Best of both worlds has 13. Oh. Regeneration has 8. Q Who has 7. Dark Frontier has 2. And I'm just going to work out and see if there's any others which have got more. more. No, Iborg has four. Five drone has. Oh no! Oh, we've got. Ah uh, dear, we haven't done very well here. Oh, <laughs> it's not. It's not as clear cut as the uh, yours and Matt's. Um, yeah, I've worked that out. Okay, so working out those scores. Mm-hmm. The official Trekmate top five Borg episodes, twenty twenty one edition. Because I'm sure you could run this. Um, you know, a couple of you know, a couple of weeks later, and it would be it would be slightly different, or a few months later. Absolutely. So, in reverse order. So at number five, with seven points, we have Q Who. I'm, First episode. I'm, not too bad. I'm glad it was in the top five. Me too. Me too. Um, in joint, for, well, next up we have drone. Mm-hmm. Well, next up we have drone and regeneration. They tie with eight. Fair enough. Fair enough. So taking the third and fourth spot. Yeah, yeah. And we have joint first and second. We have the best of both worlds, and we have Scorpion with 13 points. So so there is some room for interpretation there. Yeah, yeah. We, haven't, we don't have such a clear-cut winner, but, I mean, you know, that top five, they're absolutely solid, solid episodes, all of them. Um, Scorpion, best of both worlds, Regeneration, Drone, and Q-Who. And I think, you know, I think other, I think a lot of people would argue with some of those and put them in different orders, but it's this is our podcast and that's what we did. So exactly, but that's yeah, everyone would um, everyone could argue those in different ways, couldn't they? Oh, definitely. <clears throat> and also, to be honest, I think it not being quite as clear cut, almost uh, because it adds a little bit of uh, not credence. It, it, it kind of just shows that those episodes are so close they're so like interchangeable with what we've said it before your favorite trek can change just depending on what series you're doing a rewatch of yeah so yeah definitely like i said i <clears throat> i was a little surprised by regeneration because i hadn't seen it in so long i thought yeah that's going to be way down on the list and i haven't watched it the other day i was like oh that's that's actually pretty good i enjoyed that and it didn't quite make my um didn't make my top five, but my two points pushed that up into, uh, you know, joint third place yeah. or joint second place. Um, without that, it probably would have dropped down and maybe even have dropped out. It was just because of, you know, your high score. So, yeah, it just goes to show, you, you, you know, it, it, it depends on the mood when you're watching it and the time at which you watched it and how recently you watched it on, you know, how, how you'll score something. So, exactly. yeah, I think that's, 
that's a, an interesting result there for Borg episodes. Definitely, and I'm glad that you rewatched it because it, it it's one of those episodes that if you haven't seen it in a while, it does deserve a second uh, watch. It deserves a second try. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, definitely. Oh no! Well, I've had great fun doing that, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. My pleasure. That was um, that was lots of fun. I'm sure um, if you'd like to have me back again to talk about some other subject, I'd be more than happy over the coming months. Excellent. That sounds like an absolutely brilliant idea because uh, there are plenty of subjects left for us to touch on. Yeah, I don't think we've exhausted, after nearly 10 years, I still don't think we've exhausted the subjects by uh, any stretch of the imagination, have we? No, no, not at all. There is, there is definitely more for us uh, to uh, discuss. Well, we've over 700-odd episodes of Trek. And more coming, of course. Um, you know, so we've we had Discovery Season 3, and we've had Picard, and we've got Discovery Season 4 coming up, and we've got um, Strange New Worlds coming up, which I'm quite looking forward to. Um I don't know a lot about it, but I did like Anson Mount as Captain Pike, and I just think then that you know they say they're going back to that more original series episodic format. I think that'll make a nice change from what we've had recently. You know, with everything having, a, I like having the continuous story, but I think them having a you know planet of the week or enemy, you know, alien of the week or anomaly of the week, that'll be a refreshing change. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I liked you know serialized stuff. Um, and having a continuous story, but just having episodic stuff as well, I think has its place. So I'm quite looking forward to that. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, it, for me, uh, Pike was the highlight of season two of Discovery. So- yeah, well, there wasn't a lot else going on in terms of highlights of the season two, was there? Because it was just a complete mess towards the end. I, I completely lost interest. I'm still not sure what went on towards the end of that series. Because when I was watch, I was still watching it out of some sort of loyalty. But half the time I was like looking at Facebook on my phone because I was just bored and just couldn't be bothered to follow along. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pike was just one of the only good things in that. So I'm hopeful for um, hopeful for Strange New Worlds. Uh, I thought Discovery Season 3, by the way, I thought that was a lot better. I think once they moved it into the future and, I, you know, there were things I didn't like and I, had, I did have some issues with it, but it was a hell of a lot better than Season 1 and 2 by quite a way. Not perfect, but I think it was definitely better. Yeah. Personally, I think my strongest Discovery season is one. Mm. But it's just, I don't know, it's just not hitting it for me. It's just not hitting it for me now. Well, after season two, I was strongly considering not bothering to watch it. I thought, I can't be bothered with this. And I watched it, and it was, I mean, it was a hell of a lot better than season two. Couldn't be worse, so... um, like I said, I had some issues here and there, but on the whole, I quite enjoyed it. I did quite like the right at the very end of the final episode when they played the TOS music. I thought that was a nice. I did really enjoy that. That was cool. Um, but you know, there's talk of a new film as well. They're talking of what 2023, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been going on about new films off and on for since 2016 when we had Beyond. So we'll see how that goes. But like we said. Still a lot of uh, Star Trek topics out there to uh, talk about. Yeah, and also I did hear rumblings that the next film is going to be in the same universe as the series that are out now. So it's not going to be uh, linked to the JJ-verse. 
Yeah, which means they don't have to pay Chris Pine or anyone like that who are too expensive now. Yeah. <laughs> they can hire cheaper actors. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's fair enough. You know, they they had three films in the Kelvin timeline, so they can move on to whatever they call this one, Discovery Verse or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I I personally would like to see it within the same sort of time period around Picard and seeing mm. other elements of what's going on. Yeah, in that early 20, 25th century, yeah. Yeah. Let's face it, we, we want to go back to Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. You might, you might get a background shot or something like that. Yeah, that's it. it, it see who's in uh, command, see if Kira's still captain of the station at that point. Oh, yeah, you never know. You never know. She might be willing to show up. Well, only time will tell. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. I've been Wayne Emery. I've been Mark Stamper. And that's Trekmate. Brilliant.
Captain Jean-Luc Picard, and I approve this message. Tweet us at TrekMate1701. Make it so.